Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, everyone, and welcome to SyrupCast. Today's episode was recorded on June 5th, the day the Raptors played in California. I have a very special guest all the way from Ottawa today. I have Anya Kirideglia, the editor of The Wire Report. Hi, Shruti. <laughs> um, fun fact, guys, Anya used to be my boss. I did. <laughs> um, and so I'm really glad that you are able to be on this podcast finally, because we've had Emily Jackson from The Financial Post. We've had Christine Dobby from The Globe and Mail. And now we have you from The Wire Report, which is awesome. And if you guys don't know The Wire Report, it's a fantastic publication, very in-depth um, writing on all things telecom. Um, it is, unfortunately, behind a paywall. Unfortunately. <laughs> but um, if you do have the capability of purchasing a subscription, you guys should. They really do in-depth reporting. And the reason why I have Anya today is because her publication has been heavily reporting on a topic that we haven't really been talking about which what is that Anya? So that is the Broadcast and Telecom Act Review shortened as Butler. (laughs) Some people call it BTLR. I am officially on this podcast officially making it Butler because it's just that much easier to say. It's also kind of fun to say. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So but Butler is is the Broadcasting Telecommunications Legislative Review. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So the government has been promising to um, review these two pieces of legislation for a few years now. Um, and they're pretty old. Uh, the Broadcasting Act is from 1991. Telecom Act is from 1993. Uh, and so that's, you know, the internet isn't mentioned in the Telecom Act. It's <laughs> how old these pieces of legislation are. I mean, I feel like a lot of the acts these days need a lot of modernizing. So I guess it's a good thing that this is happening. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so one thing I wanted to, to take note as well is that um, I don't think a lot of of our readers slash listeners even know what the Broadcasting Act entails. Um, what, or even, well, the Telecommunications Act, obviously, um, are rules with, with respect to the telecommunications sector, but can you break down a little bit about the Broadcasting Act? Like, what are some of the, uh, the I guess, main aspects of it? Well, I mean, it, it's it's pretty straightforward. It covers uh, broadcasting in Canada. So, so yeah, it, it essentially any any rule that deals with television, with radio, uh, with broadcasting, and that is in the Broadcasting Act. So it's that entire sector is covered by this legislation. Okay, yeah, so that's great. And so now there's this legislative review happening. So when did the legislative review actually begin? Has it actually started or like what's happening there? So it's been a process. The government appointed an expert panel. So that's seven experts um, that are in charge of this review. And they started um, kind of in the middle of last year, meeting with stakeholders, meeting with companies, um, 
And then they opened up this process for written submissions. And so those were due this January. And it's been kind of controversial, right? Like in terms of like when that would be announced and when people could actually read these submissions. So because uh, essentially, the, and on a side note as well, so the submissions were going to be due in January and then the panel was going to put out a report in June, correct? Yes, that's right. And they're still putting out that report. It's coming out sometimes this month. But there's been some critics, uh, for example, Michael Geist at the University of Ottawa, who um, said, thinks that the whole uh, process is is too secret. And mm-hmm. that's because they are the panel is not making those submissions public at all until they issue that June report. Why is that the case? Because normally, um, when these consultations take place, especially with the CRTC, like these submissions are made public. Why? Why did they choose to do that, or or do we not know? So we they the only thing they have said publicly so far is that they wanted time to digest. You know this volume, and and I mean to be fair, they they do have to read through a lot, uh, a lot of these submissions. Yeah, and some of these submissions are like hundreds and hundreds of pages long. Yeah, and they have you know they're asking for a hundred different things, and that's just you know for one company or one organization. So it's for sure a lot. And I mean, if you if you think about it, reforming once in a generation laws that govern anything to do with media and telecom, like that is a huge task. I also right? feel like maybe we should not be doing it once in a generation and actually like doing it a lot more often. I don't know, that's just me. That's just what I think. (laughs) I mean, it's not a crazy idea. Look at something like the Copyright Act, right? Mm -hmm. It is actually in the law that that has to be reviewed every five years. Of course, and even the Lobbying Act, as well as several other acts that have actually been said, you know, it should be looked at every five years or every four years, whatever the case is. But alas, we are here and I just used the word alas, so that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's break it down. So who are some of the key players in this um, Butler review, if you will. Um, tell, tell me who those players are. I mean, it's all the key players in the industry, right? So everybody is participating. You have your, you know, the biggest wireless carriers, the biggest telecom companies, you have Google, you have Netflix, you have the big broadcasters, for example, you have CBC. We actually, um, and we've been following this, as you mentioned, at the Wire Report very closely, Uh, So one of the things that the panel wasn't releasing was they they said they got 2,000 submissions, but they weren't releasing, um, you know, the list of Of who who actually made the submissions. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I actually A-tipped it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, okay. So for our listeners who don't know what ATIPs are, that's basically access to information um, and you can submit it and get get the get whatever you want. Well, I mean, (laughs) so long as it's not redacted, but, you know. For the for the most part, you get what you want. If you're lucky, if if you word it right, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, yeah. So that was that was the only way to make this, you know, public to get this information to get the full list. Um, and there were 156 organizations and groups um, that made submissions, and then obviously individuals whose names were redacted. Right, of course. And so, um, you know, what I really wanted to get into because there are so many submissions is sort of talk about the main players that we kind of just talked about just now. So you have the CBC, the Google, uh, TELUS Rogers, Quebec Corps, um, and Shaw, and Bell is sort of iffy. We'll get to that at the very end. Um, And of course, you know, talking about like, why are some of these submissions important? And, um, you know, what should we be paying attention for? So why don't you, um, why don't we start with CBC? I mean, 
our national broadcaster, what are they saying? You know, from my understanding, they actually want Netflix to contribute to a tax and um, tell to, me to contribute to Canadian programming. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for correcting me. See, this is why <laughs> I have you here because I need you to help me with this. <laughs> okay. So, so tell me about what they're what they're talking about. Okay. Um, Let's do that. But first of all, let's just break down this idea of a Netflix tax okay. and online contributions. Yes. Okay, yeah. So, because that, that's been a huge topic about the Butler conversation, right? Like, what is this Netflix tax? So, what is it? <laughs> so, so one of the absolute main running themes throughout all of these submissions is the idea of whether we are going to bring online services um, into the regulated broadcasting sphere. So, online services like Facebook, Google, Netflix, YouTube, Amazon, that sort of thing? Exactly. Are we going to increase regulations on online services, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. like streaming platforms, sure. websites, et cetera, and right? Would those all be considered over-the-top services, or would they just be like online streaming services? What would you What would you classify them as? Um, I mean, anything that is streaming, you know, mm-hmm. I would classify as an over-the-top service. Okay, uh, but if we're talking about Facebook, you know, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, continue. So uh, what's, what's this Netflix tax? So uh, people use this term Netflix tax, which actually started in the last election and it is somewhat of a meaningless term in the way that it's used a lot of the time <laughs> because it can refer to a number of different things mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. can refer to um you know requiring netflix and other fo- foreign online services to have to collect and pay sales tax mm-hmm. which they currently aren't required to do if they don't have a physical presence here in canada right right so when people say netflix tax sometimes they mean that now, there's also the question of whether we should start uh, requiring online services to pay into the Canadian content system. Okay, so back that up for a second. Yeah. What does that mean exactly? So currently, um, TV providers, for example, club have to pay 5% of their revenues and pay it towards the creation of Canadian content. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Rogers will pay 5% into that and they... Yeah, five percent of its of the revenues that it earns for its cable. Okay, fair, got um, it. Yeah, yeah, and so exactly. that that would be one of the aspects of whether or not Netflix and other online services, streaming services, should be contributing to that five percent. Yeah, should also be paying five percent. Right, right, right. Exactly. Right. And then the other thing that I'll just mention quickly because we are going to get into it here is that there's also the question of whether internet service providers should have ah, to do the same thing. Okay, okay, that's so, interesting. So, quote unquote, the ISP tax. Right, right, and that is another thing that has really been coming up in this Butler review. Okay, so we've got that. Um, and then I, I should also make it a point that, because um, we, we are talking about the Netflix, quote unquote, Netflix tax. Um, it's also important to note that in Quebec, they've already started a provincial sales tax on Netflix because yep. they passed that legislation in um, in December. Um, same thing happened in Saskatchewan. Um, so, you know, that's also kind of interesting to see that there are some provinces that are already doing this. Um, I believe that Apple is also contributing to this tax, this provincial sales tax. So that's a whole side note. We can talk about that later. But going back to CBC, so um, they want... their particular ask is wanting Netflix to contribute to that Canadian content because they obviously feel that Netflix doesn't have quote-unquote they're not boots in the ground in Canada and they they aren't actually physically here and that they aren't taking all the efforts that CBC does when it when it's creating their programming correct yeah exactly they want uh they want Netflix to pay into the you know Canadian content system and they also want ISPs Mm -hmm. to pay into the uh, Canadian content system which is not an idea that's particularly popular with the telecoms or the wireless providers right and so why why is what they're saying important uh to cbc why is that important 
I mean, they want, you know, a lot of these companies talk about a, a fair playing field. Right. They, they want funding. Um, you know, CBC's entire mandate is Canadian content. Uh, they want to make sure that they can compete. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that's it. I don't know. I think you'd have to ask them. <laughs> they probably won't say much anyways. But maybe if they listen to this podcast, they'll they'll respond to us. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's go to the to some of the carriers. So we've got Quebec Hortelis and Rogers. And, and the reason why I bulk them together is because a lot of their asks are very similar to, to each other. And so that's why we sort of bulk them together. And um, obviously, TELUS is, is Vancouver-based. Rogers is... Um, is Toronto based and Quebec Corps is obviously Quebec based. Um, so we can start off with uh, Rogers suggesting that um, actually new rules should be uh, created in terms of um, specific, specifically to OTT services. So those online streaming services like Netflix, Google, uh, Google's YouTube, etc. And so that's what they're asking for. Um, they also do not want to tax ISPs, or rather, they don't want an ISP tax, correct? Yeah, none of these companies yes. want um, it, and I wouldn't say an ISP tax because ISPs do have to collect sales tax, right, uh, but right. they, they, they do not want ISPs to have to contribute to Canadian programming. Right, and and then same with Telus, they don't want um, they want they actually want new rules around foreign players like Netflix, um, and then same with Quebecor as well. They want some sort of m- mandate in terms of that um, streaming service. So now we're going to talk about Shaw, the Calgary-based uh, carrier. It's a regional carrier. It's been growing for quite some time now. Um, Shaw also bought uh, bought over Freed- or Win Mobile, which is now Freedom Mobile, as you all know. Um, they are also against an ISP tax, which, I mean, as you mentioned, Anya, all of these companies are pretty much against that whole idea of having some sort of a ISP tax. Um, but they also do not think that Netflix should be mandated to Canadian content or a content tax. But then you were saying that they also don't want um, cable companies uh, or TV providers to have to pay it either. They don't want, you know, they just want to get rid of that 5%. Exactly. So. Exactly. So that's that's pretty interesting to, to hear. And then um, I, I don't think we it's bell is kind of complicated because we we don't really like they're so i mean (laughs) tell me all of these submissions are complicated we are giving you like random highlights you know of a 50 or 100 page dense legal (laughs) document uh we have had dozens of stories on this over months and we've barely scratched the surface yeah exactly so what we can do in this podcast is kind of touch on some interesting points we can't really summarize it so i can tell you that um, the thing that I thought was the most interesting about Bell was that it actually wants uh, foreign over-the-top services like Netflix to pay 20% of their Canadian revenues wow, into Canadian a, content that's every year. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's insane. So, yeah. Yeah. So, they actually, um, they've increased that amount, which is like crazy compared to what anyone else is saying. So, I don't know. We'll see how what, what what's going to happen when they, when people talk about Netflix. And then lastly, I want to talk about Google, because I thought their submission was very interesting, and they provided a very um, a very a poignant quote, I would say. So um, Google, uh, obviously uh, controlling or owning uh, YouTube, is arguing that, you know, it already contributes to, can- to Canada and to Canadians by having the system um, and providing an infrastructure where users can upload, share, and make money from the content that, they up- that they're uploading. Um, so that's interesting. And then they also said that by regulating Canadian content or by regulating um, these type of services like YouTube, Netflix, et cetera, et cetera they might 
um, actually refused to offer services to Canadians, which I think, which I thought was just fascinating to actually state in their submission. So I'm going to read a quote of what part of what they said. So they said, quote, some platforms will simply refuse to offer. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. For services to Canadians, if it means they will be subject to Canadian broadcasting regulatory requirements. So, I, I mean, like, that's pretty, that's a strong statement to make. That is a really strong statement to make, right? That's the warning that... Like, if you regulate us, we're going to pull out our services. I mean, but I, I don't know if that's even possible because Netflix, like, they have a pretty large audience in Canada. Like, they have, do they? I don't even know. Like I can't imagine any of these large companies pulling out of the Canadian market. Yeah. Um, but I also, you know, I can't say that the Google is wrong and that absolutely nobody would pull out of the Canadian market. You know, maybe there's services that would be looking, coming into Canada and then they wouldn't as a result of this. I don't know. I, I'm not privy to their decision making. Absolutely. And so, so now you have a, a sort of a I guess a broad scope of some of the players in this whole situation. So, Anya, since you've been reporting on this for some time, tell me what your what your thoughts are. I mean, you've you obviously have formed some understanding, even though like these pages, these documents are so long. You obviously have an understanding of what everything is all about. Where does everything stand right now, and and what are your thoughts on that? So this question of, you know, do we regulate online services? It's something we've been reporting on at The Wire Report for years and years. And it's it's deeper than just, you know, do we tax Netflix? Does Netflix have to pay into um, into Canadian content? For example, one of the one of the stories we've done on this that was really interesting um, is regarding video games. Mm-hmm. And so the Software Entertainment Association, the, the industry um, association, sub- said in its submission that it was alarmed after a meeting that that it had with this panel mm-hmm. uh, that it got the impression that the panel wanted to was asking you know the panel was asking questions about uh, potentially regulating the video game industry like right. a broadcaster well, and they were quite unhappy and alarmed at this and that suggestion. would make sense because they are also streaming like they would be considered streaming because you can stream games online and that's like that's insane that's crazy that they would probably be taxed by this um, so yeah you were saying uh, yeah, so this is just, there's uh, so many different elements to this, and this is only one aspect of it. For example, I don't know if you remember the Fair Play proposal. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, so that let's is... T- let's go back for yeah. a second what that was. What was the Fair Play um, So that was suggestion. a number of broadcasters and companies um, got together in a coalition, and they wanted to implement a site-blocking system for pirated content. That's right. Uh, and the CRTC um, turned them down and said it wasn't the CRTC's jurisdiction, but that's you know something that could all, that could come up again in this review, and right? Which some say, have asked. Someone, some people have actually talked about that, and saying like this should be part of this review as well. Right? Exactly. Um, I I think it's really hard to talk about a Netflix tax, um, and also how much of that do people even care about? Like, I got asked once, like, how much would you be willing to pay for? these streaming services like what's the most amount of money you would you would spend um and in my head I thought well you know I pay for Spotify I pay for Netflix 
Um, and so in total, I'm spending, and I pay, for, actually, I also pay for the CBC Gem, uh, uh, CBC Gem, so I can watch news, right? Like I can stream news. So I guess in total, I'm spending what, like 15, 14 plus 10 plus like 25, $30. Like, I guess it's a pretty reasonable amount of money to be spending on streaming services, but like, what's the most that, you know, if, and I only, I don't even know, like, would I notice if there was like a Netflix tax, like, would I even notice a huge amount of change? Like, I feel like it would change a little bit, but like, maybe not substantial, sub, like, it wouldn't be that big. I don't know. Do people care about it? Like, do you care about it? What do you, what do you think? I mean, me personally, no. Like, I, I, right. And so like, but I do understand the argument that Netflix is making, oh, and which we haven't really talked about, you know, Netflix's argument with all of this. What have they been saying? So, I mean, obviously, they don't want to be brought into the streaming system. Uh, sorry, they don't want to be brought into the regulated system in any way. Right. Th- that's really it. They've already also said that they contribute to Canadian content or that they are currently doing that. And yeah, so they have this deal with the government. Um, they have promised to spend, you know, uh, 500 million in Canada. Now, that's not necessarily on Canadian content as defined by Canadian, you know, right. content rules and standards, right. but to spend that in Canada. Right. So their argument is look at all the money that we're spending. We have production studios here, we shoot shows we shoot movies here look at all the things that we're yeah doing. and they also recently did open those shooting production sites like they they opened them in toronto and um they were like hey look we're here like you can't argue that we're not here and we're not taking care of what you know we're not we don't care about this content so it's it's an interesting argument from their perspective because they obviously feel like they're contributing enough do these other carriers obviously they don't but what have they been saying like they don't care they don't care what netflix is saying but like what are they saying i mean i think that for a lot of them they feel like it's unfair for example look look at something like bell's crave tv that's a streaming service yeah they um you know they have to collect and pay uh sales tax bell's um you know tv uh iptv thank you um you know has to contribute to canadian content and then they say well these guys are coming to the market they're competing with us but they're not subject to these same rules yeah so for a lot of them you know they keep calling for a fair a fair uh playing field level playing field in your in your sense do you feel that like netflix is um I guess taking away from the subscribers that exist within like the Rogers, Bells, whatever, their cable services or their Bells Crave TV, like do you feel like there's a huge competition there? Oh, I mean, there's absolutely a huge competition. Just look at the whole trend of cord cutting, mm-hmm. cord nevers, right? Yep. That's the whole idea. That is the fear and that is the absolute trend, right? Because subscribers to um, traditional TV are going down. They're not going down as quickly as some would have mm-hmm. feared. You mm-hmm. know, it's still the majority of Canadians subscribe. Um, more than that, even a, a very significant majority. But they're absolutely losing subscribers mm-hmm. to these services. The market has changed. The reality that they operate in has changed. Absolutely. Advertising has changed as well. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's pretty... Um, it's interesting to see. Now, I want to go back to what's happening with the Butler review right now and the the actual panel. So we talked about it earlier that, you know, they um, started consultations. Um, they got all the um, submissions in January. Um, and they've been pretty uh, secretive about everything. So I recently read, and I think you guys reported this as well, is that they're actually not going to be making a report anytime soon. Is that correct? Uh, there, there will be a report, but ha- um, 
what's going to be in it is the question. So I was actually at a um, I was actually at a conference where the chairwoman of this panel, Janet Yale, spoke. Yeah. And she actually, you know, in her speech said, lower your expectations for this report that's coming out in June. Why would she say that? Because it is not going to have any recommendations. Mm-hmm. It's not going to have any indication of what they might think. It's literally going to be a summary of the things that they heard and the release of the submissions. <laughs> So that is it. She literally said, don't expect anything more. Um, After that, they're going to kind of hunker down and try to come up with some consensus on some of these million suggestions that they've heard and come up with recommendations that are due. Um, They have to give their recommendations to the government uh, by January 2020. So would the government be in charge of uh, amending the acts then is that that, then is that what would happen or would they have to go back again and do consultations or what would happen after that so after that it's really up to the government Mm -hmm. yeah the government would have to propose changes to this legislation which would then have to go through parliament etc yeah Yeah. that Um, whole process exactly takes a really long time as well exactly and that was one of the things that um janet yell mentioned she said they were going to try to word their um try to word their recommendations in as kind of a clear and concise way so that they could be translated into legislation as quickly as possible yeah and that's also kind of difficult because we're about to head into an election very soon and so you know like things can change once the election happens, um, depending on who is in the government. And while this is an independent panel, I mean, they're making recommendations to the government that is presently there, or presently, I say, whenever they make the recommendation, whoever's in government at the time. So um, their recommendations might not even be valid at the time. I mean, possible? I don't know. the question is more, you know, any whichever government we get, the government is then going to have to decide whether they like these recommendations, whether they want <laughs> to implement them, how they want to implement oh my them. God. So that's all it is. It's really just recommendations. Yeah, and and I think that's um, I think that's where the concern is because um, from all of these players that have submitting things, because ha- have they also been sort of pushing for uh, quicker deadlines, or have they been pushing for more information at at, a, at an earlier date? I mean, I think at this point, it is what it is. I mean, you can't, like we already talked about, this panel has a lot to go through. I mean, I don't know that it would be realistic to expect them to kind of speed through it. Um, you know, you want them to, to kind of be able to take their time. But there's definitely been impatience because we've talked about this issue of, you know, Netflix tax, uh, contributions, regulations for online services. This is something that many people in the, in the industry, um, especially on the content creation producer side, have been calling calling for um, for years and it predates this review they've been calling for the CRTC or for the government um, you know to just put this into place um, you know start charging sales tax or putting content contributions so that impatience predates this review mm-hmm. I would think mm-hmm. um, one of the points that you mentioned Anya which I'm not entirely familiar about and probably I should be because I've been covering this for quite some time now is the concept of 5g because that was also brought up quite a bit in the submissions and I didn't really pay attention to much of that but maybe you can tell us briefly what what is the concept of 5g in these submissions so one of the big debates in the submission is uh, 5g and infrastructure rollout rollout mm-hmm. so as 5g is built out obviously there's going to be a lot of infrastructure that's going to have to be built it's right. going to go on top of hydro poles it's yep. going to go on top of bus shelters in mm-hmm. cities small mm-hmm. cells are going to be everywhere mm-hmm. so then that necessarily 
you know, might puts creates conflict between the telecoms that are rolling this out and municipalities and, you know, electrical utilities. Yeah. So what a lot of people, including the telecoms, um, have been asking for is to have the CRTC be responsible for settling disputes when it comes to this 5G rollout. Oh, God. As you can imagine, <laughs> municipalities and electrical utilities are not too happy with this idea. Of course. Um, and the CRTC has said, hey, there should be one person that's it doesn't have to be us yeah but like there should be should, one entity should, in someone charge should of this. be there yeah exactly um and that's that's quite interesting because we are in the middle of like acquiring spectrum for 5g um there have been testing beds in 5g and it's it's like such a hot topic right now so that it would be really necessary to know what like what kind of legislation would go on that because i mean not like we're gonna have 5g anytime soon because we still need the spectrum for it but it's happening soon. It's not like it's happening. It's not happening like 10 years from now. It's going to happen in 2020, 2021, right? Yeah, like exactly. It's going to be really soon. So um, that's probably why we should be including some sort of inf- like legislation in terms of that. I don't know. Um, I want to end this podcast with um, kind of an, a question that I feel like a lot of people might be asking as they're listening to this, which is, why should I care about this? Um, obviously, like, we should be caring about it because some of these rules are so or not the rules but like the legislation is so outdated that we need to modernize it we need to include some some things that are new you know in terms of how technology has changed or how our industry has changed but if i'm listening to this podcast like why should i care about it why why is this important for me so this is a legislation that governs um you know yeah, telecom and broadcasting, but in the internet, th- this governs things that are part of your everyday life. So for example, we talked about the Telecom Act, how it doesn't even mention the internet. The foundation of what is in that act is what has been is what the CRTC used to justify its net neutrality framework, which is kind of incredible that they were able to do that with something that predates the internet. Yeah, yeah. So that just gives you an idea of the significance mm-hmm. of this legislation and how it, you know, the important things or the significant things it could be used for in 20 years. Mm, yeah, no, and that's insane. Okay, so that comes to the end of this podcast. Anya, can Trudy. you believe it? You're here. It's, I know. You're in Toronto and you did this entire episode with me. Are you happy about that? I am very happy. This has been <laughs> so much fun. You know, I used I had so much fun working with you at the Wireport when Woo! you were at the Wireport and uh, it has been a blast to be here. Thank and you so much. Now we're just competing against each other. <laughs> and it's it's all it's all fun and good. It's all No, good. It, it really is. It really is. Um, but uh, I want to make sure that our listeners and readers know where they can find you. Where can they find you? So we're at uh, wireport.ca. We are we cover, you know, telecom from the regulatory and political angle, legal angle. That's your sweet spot. Um, what so about your socials? Oh, yeah. Uh, find us on Twitter at The Wire Report. And you, where can they find you? Ah, <laughs> uh, I probably should have a shorter Twitter handle. Eh? <laughs> so it's uh, at Anya Cadadeglia, but you can find me through the Wire Report Twitter. Might be easier than me spelling my entire last name. <laughs> That's right. And you can find me at the Mobile Syrup website. I cover technology from the policy perspective, 5G, privacy, security, all that good stuff. And my Twitter handle is at Shruti underscore Shakar. And that is it. Thank you for being here, Anya. Thank you for having me. Okay, bye. Bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.